Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaSports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, Ed Meyer. And good evening and welcome to Winning Ponies. I'm your host, Ed Meyer, and thank you for taking your time to be with us this Thursday and every Thursday at that, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, as we talk about the sport of kings. Always glad to hear from you. So if you want to drop us a... Drop us a word or two, or a thousand, whatever you like. We'd love to hear from you. React to the blogs. Take a peek at the site. Give us a call if you like. Always good to hear from the good folks that love racing. Winning Pony is doing well, as we're already into 2011 with March. Can you believe it? March 10th, rolling right along. Over $1.3 million in exotic payouts year-to-date. Very strong. I, I'm I'm being really impressed with that. Hopefully you were born for a good portion of that. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and check out the site. If you haven't been for a few months or so or been sick on the shelf for the game, whatever have you, you will have some pleasant surprises with detailed rider trainer information. Check it out. Stop gambling and start winning. Winningponies.com. I know that you're going to like what you see. What's happening? What's on the docket for tonight? We're going to do a little recap of last week's big stakes race. A lot of action. A lot of controversial action. You name it, we had it. A little recap of that. We're going to talk about some biggins. Let you know what Winning Ponies is doing. It's kind of like a report card. We're not ashamed of our grades, good or bad. We will tell it. It is out there. And you can always take a look for yourself to see how we're doing. Hey, we encourage it. Please do. And a little story to get us started. like to do that, and I usually like to refer back to kind of a historical site, Collins Ghost. Always a lot of cool stuff there. Our special guest this evening is four-time Eclipse winner, Hall of Fame inductee in 1991, and received the George Wolfe Memorial Award. Mr. Pat Day is going to check in with us on segment number two. We're going to news from the wide, wide world of racing and final furlong handicapping, where yours truly will try to Put his head to the stone and come out with some winners and had a few last weekend. Hope you did as well. Each and every weekend, there is plenty of action out there. If you're an online player, there's also online contests. They are kicking up in full gear. Handicapping contests are out there. Everything horse racing from now until the Derby. We're 58 days, 58 days away from Derby 137. Trust me, time will fly. Let's talk about the recap of last week. Let's go to the Santa Anita Handicap, better known as the Big Cap. 
Grade 1 Santa Anita, $750,000 up for grip. Controversial race of the week. Game on dude is the winner. Chantel Sutherland and Bullet Bob Baffert wins by a nose over Satsuko. That was Dick Mandela's horse, the one he said he thought that he had a decent shot with. Wasn't broadcasting to be the winner by 20, but said he felt very solid with him. Lost by a dirty nose with Victor Espinosa in the irons. Now, these two came down. There was a lot of bumping. Twirling Candy actually hit the backside of Game On Dude, which hit Satsuko, and right at the wire when you're getting beat by a nose, every little bit counts, but... Wow, is this race really taking a lot of heat around the nation. But congratulations go out to Chantel Sutherland, who was actually on her show one time. Yeah, I know, these are not bragger tones. These are fun tones. On her show one time, she is the first woman to win the big cap. Chantel, good luck. Many more. Our man Dick Mandela Satsuko, he was pretty close. Doesn't get any closer than a nose. Frank Kilro, Mile, Grade 1, Santa Anita, $300,000 up for grab on Mile on the Weeds. Fluke was not a fluke. Said I liked it. I don't think it paid a whole lot, but we'll take what we can get. Rafael Bejarano in the irons for Herberto Asanio. Wins by a head over Kara Cortado. Santa Anita Oaks, Grade 1, Santa Anita once again, $250,000 up for grabs. Turbulent Descent. Said we like this one as well. So... You had to have some gray hairs because one wins by a head. This one wins by a neck. That's David Flores and Mike Pipey teaming up together. Very nice. Gotham grade three at Aqueduct. $250,000 up for grabs. Stay thirsty. Ramon Dominguez. What a day he had for Todd Pletcher and Ripley Stables. It wins by three and a quarter lengths. Very nice indeed. The Tom Pool a grade three at Aqueduct. $150,000 up for grabs. Calabrosha. Ramon Dominguez and Todd Pletcher show for Ripley Stable. Wins by four and a half. They had a day of days. I think they're going to pay them in gold bullion. What a day this this group had, owner, trainer, and rider. And uh, Dominguez just rules New York. And, you know, if, if you talk about master of the obvious, I think, I think that fits it right there. The Honey Fox Stakes, grade three at Gulfstream Park, $100,000. A mile on the weeds, winner never retreat. You might know this gentleman's name. Julian Leopru was on our show for Chris Block, who was on our show, was by a solid length. I'm having a little bit of fun with that. Probably too much fun, but it's kind of fun to look back to see who joined us. And, uh, you know, here's the neat part. I went back and I've looked and listened. People that actually were on board with us. Alan Garcia jumps to my jumps to mind right out of the gate. He was on with us on a Thursday, rides the bluegrass and wins the bluegrass on a long shot. So that was a three quarters of a million dollar race. So hey, maybe winning ponies might just have it all figured out. Just jump on the show and just guess who knows. It was all hard work. It was a lot of fun talking to him. Friday, March fourth for Biggins. There were ninety four total Turfway Park in race 11 led the pack with a super effect of 14,859 even. Saturday, March 5th, 104 total biggins. Oakland Park, races 7 through 10. Yep, that's a pick four. Strap it down tight, 27,920.80. And then we go to Sunday, March 6th, 115 total biggins. Sunland Park, race 8, $3,594.80. Monday, March 5th, 51 total biggins. Turf Paradise Race 7, a Superfecta, 2,575.20. Tuesday, March 8th, 59 total biggins. Sunland Park again, race number 9, a Superfecta Key, 
$3,749.80. Wednesday, March 9th, 48 total biggins. Gulfstream Park with a Superfecta in race two, $18,587.60. And today, March 10th, Laurel race three, a Superfecta key, $1,372.80. And races are still going on as I was just watching Delta Downs. And I was watching them and uh, enjoying a little harness action here because if you're a fan, you don't care. You love it. You love to watch it. And you'll follow it just like we all do because that's the fun of our sport. Okay, kind of get you caught up with what's happening this weekend, Saturday, March 12th. Now I'm going to jump around here because they jump around. Tampa Bay Derby, it's grade three, $300,000 up for grabs. Gulfstream Park has the Gulfstream Park Handicap. It's a grade two event. Santa Anita, the San Felipe, a grade two event. Santa Anita, again, the Santa Margarita Invitational, a grade one event. Tampa Bay has the Florida Oaks, grade three. Gulfstream Park, the Palm Beach Stakes, another grade three event. Tampa Bay, big day down at Tampa Bay. The Hillsboro Stakes, a grade three event. Oakland has the Honey Bee, which is grade three. Gulfstream has the Timely Rider Stakes, where I believe Uncle Mo is going to uncork his three-year-old year run for the crown. Oakland Park has the Razorback Handicap, another grade three event. Fairgrounds has the New Orleans Lady Stakes, $100,000. And Aqueduct has the King Point Stakes. Fairgrounds has the Grindstone Stakes. Turfway Park, the Wintergreen Stakes, $50,000. Turf Paradise has the Mesa Handicap for thirty-five. dollars And Fauner Park, don't leave them out. They have the Budweiser Tondi Stakes, $25,000 at Fauner Park. That's this Saturday, and that's when all the action is always taking place. And hopefully you will be near an OTB and or hopefully at the track seeing the pageantry of the beauty because it's just starting. I'm not going not gonna to pretend to be a meteorologist here, but... The weather is getting a little better. That nasty cold is just kind of chilly. And before we know it, the roses will be in full bloom, and it will be Derby 137. As I said, 58 days. Speaking about that, we got Derby Pool number 2, and it is conducted this weekend. actually goes from Friday, March 11th at noon until Sunday, March 13th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Running down real quick, morning line odds provided by Mr. Mike Battaglia. Anthony's Cross is 30 to 1. Arch Arch Arch, 50 to 1. Astrology, 50 to 1. Brethren, 15 to 1. Comma, to the top of Gelding, 50 to 1. Dialed in, make it 10 to 1. Elite Alex, 50 to 1. Gourmet Dinner, 30 to 1. JP's Gusto, originally, 50 to 1. Jay Cito, 20 to 1. Machin is 50 to 1. Mucho Macho Man, 20 for your 1. Rogue Romance, 30 to 1. Run Flat Out, 50 to 1. Santiva is 30 to 1. Silver Medalla, 50 to 1. Sold at 8 to 1. Stay Thirsty, 20 to 1. Sway Away, 15 to 1. Sweet Ducky is 50 to 1. The Factor is 10 to 1. To Honor and Serve is 15 to 1. Uncle Mo, 7 to 2. In the Mutual Field, which is all other three year olds, is currently 3 to 1. And that is what is happening. Wouldn't it be really neat? Just one of the names we actually just tossed out there for Derby 137. Wouldn't that be just kind of cool? And just, you know, we, we were just thinking about it early on this night and this time we're talking about it. It's kind of special. Speaking about special, we've got a man on hold. We're going to be jumping out to him in a few minutes. That'll be Mr. Pat Day. He is on hold for us. You're not going to want to miss this. Uh, Pat's, uh, he's been an inspiration to the game on and off the track. And, uh, you know, I'd almost laid a 50-50 that uh, what he did on the track was exciting. What he's done off the track has been 
even more impressive. And uh, but you know what? I'm going to let Mr. Day tell the entire story, and uh, and hopefully he'll he'll share with us. Uh, and he's been an inspiration to many, including myself. I, I've always enjoyed watching him play his trade. Story for the week kind of wet your whistle a little bit, and uh, kind of a kind of a good simple lemonade on a hot day. Wishing ring wins at nine hundred forty-one to one in 1912. That's right, a two-dollar ticket on a filly named Wishing Ring in the sixth race at Latonia in Covington, Kentucky. This is the precursor to Turfway Park, which was once upon a time called Latonia. When it was Latonia, I believe Mr. Pat Day rode a runner by the name of Little E.T. there in the, in the uh, spiral stakes and then goes on to win the Derby, but he can correct me if I'm wrong. But going back to Wishing Ring on the 17th of June, 1912, paid a record, which stands to this day, $1,185.50, by far the largest single mutual winner in North American racing history. In the 70s, when the American Racing Manual stopped printing the highest mutual payouts on record, Wishing Ring stood well above the second highest winner ever at 419 to 1, which came at Agua Caliente in 1933. Now, see, for me particularly, this is, this is of great interest. This is a track that my grandfather used to go to and when he was a young boy. And he was a young man. And, and then it led on to the other track, which, you know, I had the pleasure of going with my grandpa and my dad, and it became Turfway Park. I've always been a big fan of racing, and it was always a lot of fun to go with family. And uh, they were both good handicappers. Still, my dad still is. My grandpa is uh, he's no longer with us, but he was, uh, he was quite, a, quite a handicapper in his own right. On June 18th, the Daily Racing Forum reported on the huge payout this way. Local records for the odds-on winner under the mutual form wagering were shattered in the closing race at Latonia this afternoon where the backers of Wishing Ring received $1,885.50 for each $2. Now, this was a lot of money back then. It's a lot of money now, but it's really a lot of money then. Uh, owner Bob McMillan, the Phillies owner, was the uh, most chagrined person at the course, having neglected to wager a $2 uh, token gesture on Wishing Ring. I'm sure that uh, for a long time he wished that he would have. Some of the uh, particulars that really uh, made, made it happy, one of the residents of the uh, city was lucky enough to pick the winner from Cincinnati, which was close to the Covington area, and they're right across the Ohio River from each other, and one of the holders was a lady from Chicago who was visiting Cincinnati, taken to the races by a host, and it was a gentleman, and they just came to see what a horse race looked like. So this wasn't the seasoned professionals. These were just novice, brand new people, and they loved the game. But think of the story back then. I mean, $1,185. Well, I mean, where do we begin to throw that out now? Would that be something, I don't know, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 now, possibly? I'm, I'm really not sure, but I know there was a lot of people with a lot of great stories. Well, it is time to head out to our first break. When we return, it is our second segment. That only means one thing, special guest of the week. This week is definitely no different. We're going to be joined by Mr. Pat Day, but you're only going to get it. If you stay tuned for more Winning Ponies. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
what? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horstradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Welcome to Inside the Trenches, everyone, the interactive show that is sweeping across the nation here on Voice America Sports, simply with your host, 12-year pro football veteran, yes, of course, the voice of America, R. Cal Trula. We're bringing it to you. The day starts at noon, and so does Inside the Trenches. 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, bringing you the ins and outs, letting you know what's going on in and around sports and also in and around your neck of the woods. So if you want to be on the show and you want to be a part of the show, simply go to InsideTheTrenches.com and let's make this thing happen for you. The interactive show that is sweeping across the nation, Inside the Trenches, your show. Do you think that all of the generic financial information you get every day is hard to navigate? You need to tune in to Duffy's Financial Playbook. Every weekend, Andreas Duffy will help you filter out this information and turn it into wisdom that you can really use. Be informed about the financial decisions you're about to make instead of just blindly making decisions. Andre's connections in the business and professional sports world will help you so you don't need to worry about your financial success. Tune in to Duffy's Financial Playbook, Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer, and thank you for taking your time to be with us each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, as we talk about the Sport of Kings, because without you, there'd be no us, and we're definitely grateful that you're taking part in talking about the great sport as we know of horse racing. It is segment number two, and that's usually where we have on our special guest of the week. This week, no different. Join us tonight as our special guest is a man who loves sports and had a competitive nature but also has inspired countless others leading by example. It's our pleasure and honor to introduce Mr. Pat Day. Oh, thank you very much, Ed. It's, uh, it's a privilege and a pleasure to be on with you tonight. Well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you taking time away uh, from everything important to join us. And, uh, Pat, uh, you know, we, we've, we enjoyed having you on last time. I know so many people commented uh, that uh, you, you've been such an inspiration to them both. They enjoyed watching you plow your trade on the track and, and inspiration off. Well, I've, I've had a wonderful run. You know, we had a wonderful career. It was tremendously blessed. Uh, but there's no doubt in my mind, but what I was uh, tailor-made to be a jockey, that God had uh, made me the right size, blessed me with talent and ability, uh, led me to the racetrack, and, and then uh, blessed me with uh, opportunities to ride incredibly nice horses and showcase that talent. And in fact, it, it just seems like yesterday we chatted just for a moment off air, 
and it just seems like yesterday yeah, that I, I can remember you getting on top by about a, oh, a good half a length. And we used to call you Patient Pat. I'm sure you went by a million other names. And Patient Pat coming down the lane, oh, he's going to get cut. But he'd keep just enough in the tank with that little sidearm whip, and he'd get right to the wire. It was always a lot of fun. You, you gave a lot of gray hair, but I used to catch you at Keeneland a whole lot. That was the uh, closest place that I saw that in Churchill Downs, but it was always fun. Pat, uh, early in life, uh, you, you alluded to you were, you were blessed with the right, right size and abilities and, and, uh, and a competitive, a very, very competitive attitude. And would you mind telling our listeners and, uh, about the youth of Pat Day and how playing various sports allowed you to pave your way into racing? Well, I, I was not uh, that athletic, actually. I, I participated in, uh, in wrestling and had a, a fair amount of success in that sport. It's, as you know, wrestling is uh, you wrestle, your, your opponents are your same size. Mm-hmm. Everybody weighs the same. And, and um, so that was the one sport that I found that I could be somewhat successful at and, and really put my heart into it. I think um, my, my time wrestling uh, uh, helped with self-discipline and uh, certainly uh, hand-eye coordination and, and, and strength, uh, stamina, perseverance, all, all of that. Um, but I also participated in rodeos in the summertime, uh, tried all of the, all of the events. Uh, in high school, I joined the rodeo team and uh, settled in on, the, on they call it ri- uh, rough, rough stock, uh, barebacks, bulls, and, and saddle broncs. And I had a very minimal amount of success there, but enjoyed the lifestyle. And then out of high school, um, was pursuing a career as a professional bull rider, uh, having a very limited amount of success, but... Uh, my touring around going to rodeos introduced me to people that were familiar with racing and ultimately got me introduced to the great sport of horse racing. It's contagious as a cold, and once you actually get into it, it's just it, it's a family within a family and a world within a world I've referred to as racing. Well, you're absolutely correct. It's, uh, uh, in my opinion, the greatest, greatest sport played outdoors, and it's uh-huh. all hinged upon the, uh, the, the tremendous athlete of the racehorse, uh, horses are incredibly special to me, and and uh, just the privilege and the pleasure of working with them. And and uh, I never went to work for 32 years, Ed. That was uh, <laughs> basically that was my hobby, and I was able to make a living at it. <laughs> and a very a very nice one, and uh, what what fun it was watching you ride. Pat, with uh, with classic American wins of the Kentucky Derby in, in 82, and we were talking about Little E.T., the Preakness in 85, 90, 94, 95, 96, the Belmont, 89, 94, and 2000, as well as 12 Breeders' Cup victories. Would you have thought this would have been in your plans from a young man from Colorado? No, absolutely not. Uh, you know, I started at a very small racetrack out in Arizona called Prescott Downs, a little half-mile racetrack in uh, uh, I was familiar with with uh, the Kentucky Derby, uh, but my knowledge about the, the the sport of horse racing was really really minimal at that time. And and uh, uh, so as as I started riding, I, I just wanted to be the leading rider at the racetrack where I was at. I just wanted to do the very best that I possibly could, and uh, slowly made my way up the ladder. And and uh, uh, started in in '73, and by '76 I'd made my way to New York and. Um, uh, you know, was was really playing on on the on a on a major playing field up there, and discovered that I was not uh, I really wasn't mature and ready for something such as that. Uh, went back to the Midwest and regrouped, and uh, basically uh, we, we we primarily stayed in the Midwest thereafter. But um, as my notoriety 
uh, grew, and, and as we had more success, obviously we started having opportunities to uh, to travel the world over and and participate in major races. When you hear Pat talking, just for our listeners, when you hear him refer to us, we have heard so many other wonderful riders, and every rider that uh, is worth their salt and really cares. We is a team concept. That you're, uh, those are the people you ride for, the trainers. And that's more importantly your agent, yourself. It's all a team atmosphere, correct, Mr. Day? Oh, ab- absolutely, Ed. Uh, you know, I, th- there was a time in my life when, when I thought I was indispensable. Uh, you know, I was, I was the big kahuna. But I came to realize that we were all a chain. It was like a chain, and we were all links in the chain. No one person was more important than the other. We were only as strong as the weakest link. Everybody had to do their job and do it, do it to the very best of their ability to ultimately wind up in the winner's circle. And uh, so when I say we, I'm, I'm speaking, yes, certainly. Uh, my family that supports me, uh, the horses that were providing me with, uh, with the opportunities, the people that were working and preparing the horses, my agent that was uh, so instrumental in securing those mounts for me. Uh, you know, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a joint effort, to say the least. Like fingers on a hand and in a, in a well-oiled machine. If, if all is going well, it runs smoothly. If not, we have a chink in the armor, and and uh, it can set things back. But I, I really enjoy when I hear people use the term "we." I, I'm, I'm a big team uh, team player, and I and I really really admire that. Pat, you've ridden so many significant horses; it'd be impossible to hit them all. But a handful: Lady Secret, Little E.T., Theatrical, Tabasco Cat, Unbridled, Wild Again. Favorite trick, easy go, or Sky Classic, Summer Squall, Awesome Again. Do you have any favorites that might stick out just a little bit? Well, the, it would be really, really difficult, if not impossible, for me to pick a favorite. Uh, you know, I just love horses, period. And uh, certainly there were some nondescript horses that I rode in the course of my career that, you know, every time you led them over there that they were going to give you 110%. Now, they didn't have a lot of talent, didn't have a lot of ability, uh, we're certainly never in, in, in danger of becoming a household name, uh, but just gave it all to you. And, and I just had such respect for those horses. Uh, but certainly the best horse that I ever rode, in my opinion, was, was uh, Easy Goer. Uh, there, were, there were three definitive victories, I believe, in my career. Uh, the first race, the first winner was Four Blunged in July 29th of 1973. A uh, horse called Dana's Woofoo, who, who nobody uh, remembers, basically, uh, carried me to the national riding title in uh, 82. Uh, Lily T stands out amongst, I, I mean, that, that victory personally uh, is my all-time favorite. But I believe the race that uh, probably meant more to my career than any other uh, was the Breeders' Cup Classic in 1984 aboard Wild Again. Hmm. Uh, that was the inaugural running of the Breeders' Cup Classic, and... Uh, of course, when they first started bantering about um, talking about the, the the possibility of seven races, ten million dollars one afternoon, I didn't think it would ever happen in my lifetime, and then it did. And I was incredibly fortunate to have secured the mount on Wild again that afternoon. And he just ran a remarkable race. I I can honestly say I I don't believe I've ever been on, been on a horse before since that tried any harder than he did in the last quarter of a mile of that race. He was absolutely leg weary. Had run himself out early. I'd not been able to turn him off and conserve much, but uh, he just refused to give up. Fought hard right to the wire and eked out a very narrow victory. And of course, the uh, the exposure that we received and notoriety through and from that victory t- 
took my career to the next level, and, and it was uh, shortly thereafter that we started receiving calls to travel all over the country and, and not just participate in major races, but we were having the opportunity to ride choice mounts in those races. And, of course, as you know, you, you, the, the stock is the primary ingredient. you got to be on the best horse. It, it's as I said so many times. It seems just like yesterday. I guess that means I've been a long time fan. A kind way of seeing him getting a little bit older, which is a gift. But I can remember like it was yesterday with Wild again. And anybody that's ever really got the itch, uh, I, I always find myself on YouTube, and I'll go back and I'll look at classic races, and it's so much fun with, with a great call. And there's so many people that uh, you know take the take the time to you know have the race and post it up there. It's always a lot of fun. But uh, Pat. You know, I I know that you can remember it better than any of us, but uh, I have to go back up from time to time, and boy, it still gives me chills. If I if I may, Pat, uh, you were always a very competitive rider, and you captured attention since your first winter '73 at Little Prescott Down. Success, fame, fortune—it threatened you as many athletes and professionals, and it sometimes does. Can you tell our listeners when your life changed? Well, and I, I was just fixing to, to, to go to that, Ed. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, as I just said, the, the, the probably single most important victory in my career was, was in November of 1984. But the single greatest victory in my life in general in, 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 overall uh, came in January of that year uh, when I came to the knowledge of the saving grace of Jesus Christ, bent my knee and invited Jesus into my heart, gave him the rightful place on the throne of my heart, acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, and committed my life to him. Uh, when I invited Jesus into my heart, I truly believed that uh, the chains of bondage to drugs and alcohol and the backwards lifestyle that I was involved in at that time was broken. I was set free. Uh, shortly thereafter, that happened on January 27th. Uh, shortly thereafter, I, I really uh, contemplated leaving the industry and going to the seminary. Uh, but the Lord revealed to me that he had saved me to work within the industry, not to leave it. It was obvious that he had endowed me with tremendous talent and ability and was orchestrating opportunities to showcase this talent. And it became very obvious at that time that I was to take the talent and the ability to do the very best that I possibly could, but all the while looking for opportunities to give him the praise and the honor and the glory, and obviously endeavoring to live my life in a manner that would, have, would be pleasing in his eyes and would bring praise and honor and glory uh, to my Lord. And uh, it get, that was a, a, a newfound reason to pursue my career. And uh, needless to say, my, my career really took off from that point forward. Uh, uh, for the next 22 years, it was really unparalleled. Uh, uh, we enjoyed tremendous success, uh, relatively injury-free, uh, and, and uh, just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed what we were doing. But... Uh, more importantly, was was uh, enthused by the opportunity to uh, to share the gospel message uh, with the lost and dying world. You have inspired so many people just by speaking. I've met you a few times in passing, just with the throngs of many people at tracks. As they'll come up and they'll shake your hand just for a moment, and there are so many wonderful people that that want to meet you. You've inspired so many during your career. Did you mentor and or bring people around? Maybe not necessarily uh, ride this way, go to the left hand and stick, but the more important aspects of life, uh, of conducting yourself as a professional, doing the right things, and just being a, a true word of the mentor and, and what their role would be. Well, I, I can't say that I uh, actually just took somebody under my wing and done that. 
but my desire was that I would be a godly positive influence on all that I would that I would come in contact with and uh, my desire has been that I would conduct myself in a, in a manner that as I said earlier would be pleasing uh, in the eyes of the Lord uh, and would rightly represent him as Christians we are called, we, we we are Christ's ambassadors here on earth and my desire is to rightly represent my Lord uh, to all of those that are around about me but uh, certainly, as I was writing, I, I, I wanted to be a, a, a role model, a positive role model, and a positive godly influence on the people that I was working with and working around, specifically in the in the jockeys room, uh, the jockeys room personnel, and and the jockeys, and uh, you know the owners and trainers that I had the privilege of being around. So many people uh, have watched you ride through through time, and you know uh, from 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 valets who went on to be stewards, and 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 I and I got to chat with them, and and they had told me tales of when you know you came to a track, and they said there was a man who was who was extremely focused, and you, you would see it in your face. It was uh, it was as thick as uh, pea soup fog. It was it was a direct focus on what you're doing in the moment. It was almost like you're contemplating a game plan, like a like a basketball coach and or a player with a bat in his hand, you were focused when you were when you were leaving the paddock? Well, you know, the Bible says to do all that you do with all of your heart as though you were doing it unto the Lord and not unto man. And and that was my approach from 84 forward. Uh, you know, I, 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 um, I feel that uh, up to that point I had been very um, disrespectful towards the talent and ability that the Lord had blessed me with, uh, unappreciative of the opportunities that were being made available to me, and was taking the success for granted, and, and um, uh, I had the entitlement attitude as though it were owed to me for some unbeknownst reason. Uh, and, and I'm not real proud of that. I don't, don't really care for that person back then. Uh, but needless to say, uh, you know, with the love of God in my heart, it has made a radical change in, in my life. And in fact, uh, as, as I can't say enough, it inspires so many people still to this day that even are not part of the racing family. Patton, 2005, I, I, I do believe, and if I have any years wrong, correct me immediately, as my school teacher would say. You underwent surgery that forced you to miss the first derby in, in almost 21 years. Uh, how hard was your decision to hang up your tack and to become an ambassador for the racetrack chaplaincy? Uh, it, it wasn't an easy decision. Uh, it was one that, uh, that uh, I, I wrestled long and hard with the Lord. I, I tried every argument known to man to convince the Lord that uh, I, I really, I, I wanted to continue writing, uh, but my competitive fire had gone down, and so I was inquiring of the Lord that he might fan the flame of my competitive fire and keep me in the game, and and um, after pleading for a period of time, I realized that um, uh, it wasn't about me, it was about the Lord, and um, I, I, at that point I just said, Lord, what, whatever you'd like me to, whatever you want me to do, and uh, uh, for a couple of days, I, I didn't get any answer, but it was as if the, the Lord just picked me up and held me. And uh, and then after a couple of days, uh, I, I was at a cabin over on the Kentucky River at the time, and, and uh, I decided to take a little drive around the area, and I was driving around, and all of a sudden it was like the devil was in the room in the cabin, in, in the cab of the car with me, uh, asking me, just, what, what are you going to do? Are you going to continue riding? You're going to retire? You're out here looking for answers? And as I became very anxious and, and white knuckle on the steering wheel, my mouth opened and I, I asked a question, but I really made a statement, and I said, it's time, isn't it? And with that, it was as, as if my spirit, uh, it was in agreement with the Spirit of God that it was time to close the book on that chapter 
and move forward doing God only knows what. Uh, there was an immediate renewing of enthusiasm in the pit of my stomach, but it was not a renewed enthusiasm to go and to win races, but rather to go and to win souls, to go and to tell people about the awesome love of God that's available through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I'd been involved with and supportive of a ministry at the racetrack called the Racetrack Chaplaincy since 1984, and it's given me time to become more involved and supportive of that ministry and uh, had the distinct privilege of traveling uh, throughout the United States and, and to a number of uh, foreign countries uh, in an effort to establish ministries in, in racing areas, uh, Argentina, Chile, Uruguay, uh, Australia, New Zealand, Korea. Uh, it, has just been, uh, it has just been a joy to, to travel uh, and to be an ambassador for our Lord in the racing industry. And I've got to tell you, uh, you know, the, uh, we enjoyed an incredibly successful racing career. Uh, but when I look back at my career, I've got to look down because uh, I, I believe that what I'm doing today and what I'm involved with today is decidedly more important than all the races that I won. As a matter of fact, the racing, the successful racing career was just for this express purpose. It was just, it was just the establishment of a platform uh, with which to get people's attention. And now that I've got their attention, to give the Lord the praise, the honor, and the glory and to take advantage of that notoriety to get in front of people and tell them about the awesome love of our, of our Lord and Savior. And for that, we're thankful that uh, you stand up with a, with a brave attitude and, and a firm voice and, and help people that, uh, that may be finding themselves in the dark during these times, if, if not throughout time. Pat, we always finish up our show with uh, something I like to call the Final Four because it's Final Four uh, Basketball Month. Uh, March Madness is upon us uh, practically. And uh, these are little tongue-in-cheek questions, rapid-fire, Jeopardy-like questions, and you just fire away a brief answer. And it's usually yes, no, or a brief answer. But I call them the Final Four, and this is how we wrap it up. Are you ready, sir? Yes, sir. Question number one, would you rather be on top? stalking just off the pace along the rail or coming from out of the clouds? On the fastest horse. <laughs> Fair enough. No matter where. Uh, question number two. You have many prestigious awards in racing. The Eclipse Award four times. The U.S. Jockey by win six times. Earnings uh, two times. The George Wolf Award in 85. The Mike Venezia Award in 95. The big sport of turfdom. Hall of Fame in 91. Is there anything, uh, as far as awards go in racing, that really sticks out in your heart that, that's an honor? Well, I, I would have to say the George Wolf Award. Uh, the year that I won it uh, was the first year that it was voted on by by the riders, and uh, to be to be chosen for that award by your peers is uh, uh, that's extra special. Oh, I I couldn't imagine, and actually had dinner uh, when I was visiting Santa Anita at the George Wolf uh, restaurant. Uh, actually, got a tear in my mm-hmm. <laughs> with reading all the memorabilia. Number three, what's your favorite hobby? Uh, snowmobiling. Snowmobiling, ah, well, you're a danger dog. I, I definitely, I'd, uh, I'd definitely be going awful slow. Yeah, actually, number... I was going to say horseback riding, but it, <laughs> and it, that that really is my favorite. I, I love to go, uh, just trail riding. It's the uh, world's greatest way to go sightseeing, and you know they say the outside of a horse is good for the inside of a man, and I absolutely agree with that. I was, I was trying to. As soon as it came out of your mouth, was that uh, Will Rogers? Uh, you know, I don't know who coined that phrase. <laughs> But whoever it was, it was a good one. <laughs> it's a beaut, and it is the truth. Pat, fourth and final, 
is an incredible writer who can look back over a wonderful career. What advice would you give to others that they, when they feel they're missing a piece from their life? Well, I would strongly recommend that they, uh, that they inquire of the Lord. Uh, I know my life was incomplete in spite of the success that I was having. Uh, I believe that we all have a God-shaped void that only God can fill. And uh, I believe that we're going to be um, uh, incomplete until such time as we invite him into our heart. Uh, we try to fill that, that void up with all the things that the world has to offer, but the world can't fill it. And uh, so if you're at a crossroads in your, your life and feel that it's incomplete, uh, I would strongly urge you uh, to look into a personal, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Very, very fine words. Thank you. Mr. Day, it has been an honor and a pleasure to speak with you. On behalf of Winning Ponies, we'd like to thank you for your time with us this evening. We wish you health and happiness for you and yours, and keep helping others find their way, sir. Thank you once again. Well, Ed, we, we appreciate the opportunity to be on with you. God bless you and all of your listeners, and um, happy Derby 137. Yes, sir. God bless, Pat. Thanks so much. You too, sir. Thank you. That's Mr. Pat Day, icon of the game, icon in and out of the saddle. It is time to head up to a break, and when we return, we'll be talking news from racing. A little final for long handicapping here on Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of Horse Stradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. The Sports Mavericks Show redefines the elite athlete by bridging the gap between parents, athletes, and the community. Host Ida Moyer, a.k.a. the Oprah of Sports, brings to the Voice America Network original programming, balancing the pursuit of academic excellence and sports participation. The Sports Mavericks Show airs every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listeners will be engaged in straightforward talk, spontaneous and unscripted by the experts. Ida and her guests will explore the challenges of success and failure in sports and will help athletes and their parents navigate the transition from high school, college, and then on to the pros. We put fun back into sports and recognize role models in sports through our Sports Mavericks All-Star Award Program. Tune in Tuesday evenings at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Ida Mouillet and the Sports Mavericks Show right here on The Voice. Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer. Thank you for taking your time to be with us on this Thursday evening. Hope you got Mr. Pat Day. Inspiration on and in and out of the saddle. Great guy. Very, very nice guy. And extremely focused when he came out of the jocks room. And as you heard his story, uh, like every professional athlete, it's had its ups and downs. And uh, Pat Day definitely had its ups. News from around the world of racing. Thistle Downs in Cleveland, Ohio, scraps the 7-7 seven and seven format. That's seven races from Thistle, seven from either Beulah Park and or River Downs, offering eight live races a day, according to the Horse Raider Insider. And they're going to go it alone, scrapping the card. You know, that in itself is going to be difficult, to fill that extra race for every program. Uh, Billy Couch is really going to have his hands full, and they begin on April 23rd. And they're going to run Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, all the way through August, adding Thursday through the racing season throughout October 31st. They're not going to match River Downs, which is racing Thursday through Sunday. When they open on the 29th of April, Beulah Park racing Monday, Tuesday, Saturday through April 30th this spring. And then they pick up on October 10th again. Boy, this is going to shake up the Ohio scene. But that's what change is all about. Time for transparency here. Now, this is according This is according to the record from Troy, and it's by Mr. Nick Kling from the record. The 74th running of the San Diego Handicap will not be remembered because it was won by a great horse, nor woken in history because of a track record time. What makes last Saturday's race notable is the controversy surrounding the outcome that we talked about earlier. The short version is Game On Dude, Twirling Candy, and Setsuko entered the stretch of the one-and-a-quarter-mile classic in a virtual line, a combination of jockey action, tiring horses, and initiated chain reaction bumping. Favorite twirling candy surrendered in the upper stretch and hit game on dude right on the rump, which, you know, bumped Setsuko, and game on dude wins by a dirty nose, edging the grade one victory. Indeed, you know, long story short in this, if you were watching the race, Bob Baffert was talking to other riders. He even called up to the steward stand, which is a no-no. You don't bother the stewards. You talk about trouble you're asking for. They're the adjudicating body. They're judge, jury, and executioner. They do it all, and you don't bother the stews, no matter who you are. He calls up to have a conversation, but they were kind enough. They did not allow for his call. But Dick Mandela stood there quietly, stoic. And he said, uh, we're going to let the process take hold. Uh, he even uh, contacted uh, directly Victor Espinosa, who's aboard Setsuko. It was really interesting. Now, I went back and I watched And a lot of that you can catch on YouTube now because they had people actually filming or taping, I should say, the entire thing. And other the San Anita Handicap uh, reactions, uh, game on, it, it's a controversial win. Some of the people that, that you read about, Brad Free from the Daily Racing Forum, it says, we held Setsuko blameless. He was certainly interfered with. Stuart Scott Cheney said, so the question is, who's to blame, the inside horse, you know, game on dude, or twirling candy? But he talks to the Stews. They felt it was a chain reaction. 
That's why they do what they do. Jay Howdy from the Racing Forum. What Sutherland did was not intentional, at least in terms of taking a chance at purposeful disruption. But in deciding her horse needed to be struck on the left side at that precise moment, therefore allowed him to shift his position in traffic, and she caused a chain of events. Mike Watchmaker, the way he saw it, one man's opinion, game on dude was the aggressor, and I think he actually started the whole chain of events when he drifted out, turning for home. Chantel Sutherland, she said, all that I know is in the race. I feel like I got bumped from behind. My horse went off balance, and I hadn't drift in or anything. Now, that's Chantel's take on it. Victor Espinosa, quote, it's the wrong decision. I don't know why it took so long to make the wrong decision. A 12-minute inquiry. I think the stewards are blind. Oh, he's going to take some flack for that one, you can bet. They need to have some education so people know what's going on in the races. Typically, the stewards are all former riders. Not all, but a great deal. at tracks all around the nation are former riders, and they have an idea of what's going on. When Victor Espinosa was actually actually approached by Bob Baffert, I mean, that's got to be a tough, tough time there. If you, if you really think about it, he rides for him a bit. And, you know, and when Baffert said something, Espinosa just kind of stood there and seemed very patient, didn't say anything, which is probably his best bet. But as the inquiry went on, Baffert became more animated. Very interesting. It actually kind of shocked me because uh, I was uh, not not used to that type of behavior from a consummate professional and, and a man that I admire for bringing his uh, bringing his uh, his runners ready. You know, it always makes it makes a whole lot of sense. Derby watch right now. Uncle Mo is leading the pack, and this is according to the Daily Racing form. Uh, Uncle Mo Bundy and Charlie uh, really looks good. Mike Watchmaker has created this list. Uh, he feels sold out should be second, dialed in third. Honor and Sir, fourth. Brethren, fifth. We'll just give you the top five there. But feels that Uncle Mo, I think distance is going to be a bit of a, a, bit of a, a question mark here. And that's where we answer it with this week's final furlong handicapping. And where we're going to start at is Tampa Bay because they've got one hell of a card in store for you this weekend. But I've got a couple other races other than just the uh, the marquee races that might need a little bit of action. Let's start at Tampa Bay in the fifth race, slated to go off at 220. They're going to go a mile on the turf in this allowance $26,000 event in the fifth race at Tampa Bay. In here, you know, I, I studied it for quite a bit as far as what I liked and didn't like, and I, and I couldn't get off of number five, Media Madness. Five to two, Ramon Dominguez in the arms for trainer Graham Motion. Uh, a win in a second from two starts lifetime. This four-year-old uh, filly by Empire Maker was a $200,000 sales purchase. Uh, it was a very nice turf win at Laurel, then goes on uh, at uh, at Churchill Downs, wins a mile and a 16th, uh, split horses and gaining, and I was watching it. Uh, that was the second-place finish for his four-year-old filly. Went a mile in a 16th last night, cutting back from a mile. But the thing that really sold me has been on the shelf since November 4th, but on March 2nd at Palmetto's turned in a bullet of 58-1, and, and that is a very, 
very uh, deep uh, turf and dirt circus. It's lush. It's really comfortable. I like Media Madness, the five in the fifth race of Tampa Bay. And then we turn on to the seventh race of Tampa Bay. This is an Ed Meyer uh, special. This is definitely uh, not something you're, you're going to see on the marquee uh, portion uh, of the day. It's, it's an allowance event. They're, they're going to go one mile on the weeds. And in here, I, I see a chalkster that, that needs to be hammered upon in this one-mile turf event. Slated to go off at 320. Look no further than the two pluck. Even money. Ramon Dominguez, Graham Motion again. They're winning 50% together, 100% in the money. Uh, been on the shelf since the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf when Pluck beat Soldat and uh, bobbled and steadied early. I think Pluck actually just comes and outclasses everyone here, and it's going to be very exciting. So I, I would say right there, there is your is your pick four uh, key and or your pick three, whatever your taste is there. But even money, you're not going to get a lot out the windows, you know, for that. But so you're going to have to make uh, make value where you can find it. Tampa Bay race number nine, the Great Three Hillsboro, mile and an eighth on the turf, slated to go off at 420. In here, I like the five, and that is Zagora. Zagora is five to two. Ramon Dominguez and Chad Brown, first time Lasix. Chad Brown wins 50% of the time on this move. Been off since October 16th at Keeneland and ran second to Harmonious in the Queen Elizabeth Cup, which was a race that was pinnacle for the, uh, for the Breeders' Cup grass races. This is a gorgeous, really looks incredible to me. Uh, seven for nine lifetime in the money. Uh, the dam of this runner has dropped three turf winners. Uh, so I, I believe the bloodlines are there. We're, we're all in line. Shipping uh, in from uh, Deauville, France, into Keeneland. It took a little bit of time off, and now they're really bringing this four-year-old filly along. Chad Brown, an excellent trainer. I love Zagoro in the Hillsborough, the ninth race at Tampa Bay. Race number 11 on the card is the, is the Tampa Bay Derby. Now, a, a lot of people are saying, is that this weekend already? You know, a lot of my friends, I can't really believe it. And it's like, in the 11th race of Tampa Bay, boys and girls, Uncle Mo, I believe, is not going to be in there with all of my heart. And I believe you're going to be hearing that coming up here shortly. But in this mile and the 16th Tampa Bay Derby, it's a grade two event, slated to go off at 520. In here, I searched my soul, and I came up with the seven free entry, seven to two. Alan Garcia, Chad Brown, going to have one heck of a day again. Uh, ran against Uncle Mo three back in a maiden, uh, a maiden romp at Saratoga. I, this is third off a layoff. Both wins are with Alan Garcia in the, right off the shelf and a nice allowance step up. I see free entry at seven to two in the Tampa Bay Derby just being a holy terror. And I think that uh, you're, you're going to truly, truly enjoy that there. And then we go to Gulfstream on Saturday, and we're going to start with the seventh race. In here, I'm going to wrap it up real quick with the seventh race. I love Ninja Blade. Five to two, Lepru and Eddie Keneally, they are teaming back up together. Ninja Blade in the seventh race at Gulfstream Park, which is the three-horse. In there, uh, then, then come the bigger races, and that, that would be race number eight, first one on the card. And uh, this is the one that uh, all eyes are going to be watching. It's a timely rider, stakes one mile, $100,000. Here's where Uncle Mo is actually opting to run. This real Colt by Indian Charlie with Johnny Velasquez draws the rail, been off after an impressive Breeders' Cup Juvenile win on November 6th. I was there. You watched it on TV, or you were there the same this guy can run. 
now I'm I'm scratching my head about you know where they're running and what, you know what they're doing and 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 I didn't know if they would want uh, you know that that prep to really test this metal. But you know what, Todd Pletcher knows what he's doing because he's winning 27 percent of the time with Velasquez and 24 percent on his own. I, I can't even begin to question uh, if they say Uncle Mo's ready. Not, no matter how, what they're looking for, a great prep, you know, a, a safe trip. I think Uncle Mo comes back, but I'd use him over the six. Rattlesnake Bridge and the four rocking out in exact is to try to get some of uh, some of your dollars to uh, to march the best way they can in race number nine a mile and an eighth on the turf the Palm Beach a Grade Three event slated to go off at four fifty five p.m. and in here on this turf event as I said a mile and an eighth on the turf I like this the five and that is Queen's Plate Kitten. Six to one, Johnny Velasquez and Pletcher team up again. One for one at Gulfstream Park, and that was just off of the shelf. This real cold by Kittens Joy is just bred to, bred to relish the grass. All Kittens Joy runners are just tearing it apart everywhere for the Ramses. Boy, do they have a, a, a gold mine that just has no limitations there. And and I think. Uh, I think Queens play Kitten, especially six to one. To me, it looks really good. Johnny Velasquez. I, I don't think that uh, you could find a better money rider out there that makes very few mistakes. Race ten at Gulfstream Park, the mile. Gulfstream Park handicap. This is a great two event. Three hundred thousand dollars in here. I go right to the rail with the one rule. Three to one. Velasquez and Pletcher once again. Three for three in the money at Gulfstream Park. If you hear that Velasquez and Pletcher did well, you'll know that I did well. And uh, and hopefully you do as well. Rule three off a layoff, I think, is really, really a huge move. This last time out against Giant Oak, who circled and inhaled the field, they were moving along in a very nice clip. I think Rule just gets better and better off of that race. Going to go from a mile and eighth back to a mile, which I think might fit his wheelhouse a whole lot better. And then real quick, I believe we've got uh, one minute here left to go, and we're under the one-minute mark. And we switch to Santa Anita in race six, the Santa Margarita Invitational Grade One event. And uh, and I really like uh, I really like a runner in here. And I think you've heard of this runner. That would be the four switch. And uh, I, I I do not have odds uh, currently at this time from uh, you know from my sources here, but uh, I think switch really looks good. And then in race number eight, the mile and sixteenth, Grade Two San Felipe. And, uh, you know, this race, uh, once again, left me scratching my head. Where do I go? What do I do? And I came up with the six, Premier Pegasus, who, who to me just really embodied just what the race is about and what we need to be, uh, what we need to be doing. Well, time flies when you're talking thoroughbred racing. This week was no different. Winning Ponies would like to thank Mr. Pat Day for joining us and you for tuning in. So until next week, as we are 58 days away from that first Saturday in May, may your winners be many and your photos be few. Good luck and good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.